Community theatre provides an opportunity for the amateur practitioner to practice and develop their creative skills in a variety of roles direction, design, front of house, marketing, and of course, performance. The term amateur defines one who participates in a pursuit without payment but is driven by passion. The community theatre is also a platform for passion. It provides many younger participants who have a desire to make the arts their profession with their first precious steps into the wacky and wonderful world of theatre. A great deal of fun is had along the way as participants collaborate with other like minds in a setting that provides a cherished social interaction, whilst also providing audiences in suburban and regional areas with perhaps their only real access to live performance. Carla Moore is a drama educator and playwright at the Chester Street Theatre in Epping, Sydney. The group started in a response to community demand for some live performance. The company works out of a church hall and programs three productions a year which are eagerly attended through subscription by an enthusiastic local audience. Carla joined stages to discuss the vital necessity of such companies and the role that community theatre plays. That's good. <laughs> um, tell me, look, you've you've had a bit to do with the Bard, haven't you? A lot to do with the Bard. So, is tell me, is, do you think Shakespeare's flogged too much? No, no. Well, this is just a, a starting <laughs> point. Um, but but everyone seems to do it. Good, good. Whether it be schools or community theatre or professional theatres, yeah, um, every year we get an abundance of of, um, of, of the repertoire. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I mean, he is the god, isn't he? He is the best. Seriously. I mean, everything about Shakespeare is freaking brilliant. So it's not just that you don't have to pay any royalties or a licence fee? Oh, there is that too, of course. <laughs> <There> are... <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. He, he's, he's stunning, yeah. There, but surely there's other playwrights out there who there teach is. us just as much. Yes, but I think he's taught us a lot in just structure. And I mean, he was the original screenplay writer, you know. Before that, people just wrote linear texts, one scene, one time, you know, the poetics from Aristotle. Yep. And um, he broke all that and said, no, stuff this. You know, Midsummer Night's Dream, three, three separate stories, it's screenplay stuff. Right. Yeah. And what, inventing the, the various acts... Of a play as well? No, as we five acts. Five acts is the Greek thing, isn't it? Yeah, no, five acts is five acts. So, what do you, to explain? What do you mean by screenplay? It's various stories it's, going at once. Yeah, three stories going at once, not right. one linear story. Yeah. Uh, Aristotle said it has to be about one story, one place, one time, and um, and he doesn't do that. He breaks that. You know, he's always got other other stories going on, which nobody else did before him. Uh, dare I say then, do you have a favourite playwright? Would it be Shakespeare? Favourite Or favourite, actually probably an unfair question. What about, do you have favourite playwrights? Yes. I love Tom Stoppard, who also loved Shakespeare. Ha. Huh. Um, well, I guess their wordplay is the big thing they yeah, have in common. Yeah, you're right, you're right. But I mean, there's some really good Australian writers. I love Andrew Bovell. Bovell? Bovell? Yes, the Bovell Bovell. Yeah. I think he's stunning. He's clever. He's smart. Um... And again, able to write in various, at the same time, write in various time frames. And, yes, and, yes, um, yes. But I, I must say, I adore, worship at the feet of, even though he's dead, Arthur Miller. Yep. Um, 
love all my sons, love view from the bridge. Brilliant, brilliant pieces. And The Crucible, of course. The Crucible, but that's done a lot. But All My Sons is just... What I love about Miller is he starts off his plays by just inconsequential meetings and greetings and it seems very tame and and you get sucked into that comfort, if you like, and then, pow, something hits you and it's all on. So clever. Yeah. Really clever writing, yeah. What was the very first play that engaged you? It might might have been a play that you read or you actually saw performed. Oh, okay, engage me. All right. Uh, I did see The King and I when I was 10, but I think I was engaged by the pink crinoline. That that, that would do us. By Suzanne Steele. We're going back a long way. No, that's fantastic. As Anna, right? As Anna. In Australia? Yeah, in Australia. I don't know if she's still alive. If she is, thank you, Suzanne Steele. No, unfortunately she's passed, but... um, Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Shall we talent. shall we dance? And I thought that's what I want to do. Now, the first play that engaged me was a Shakespeare, Henry V, in a tent, Rush Cutters Bay, John Bell and Anna Volska. I was in year eight, nine, don't remember. It that was oh, so this is Shakespeare. This is friggin' beautiful, yeah. He was Henry, she was Catherine. Catherine? Yeah, the French French yes. princess. Did the tent experience contribute no, to that? No, no. It was the the immediacy of it. It was the, you know, intimacy of, of the tent, I think. That was fabulous. That was all close. And then in year 11, Mrs Lee Smith, with really funky red glasses, she's probably dead, she'd be 125 by now, she... Uh, put on Antigone, the Jean Anouil play, and I was Creon, all girls' school, North Sydney girls, girls' school, um, and I was Creon, and I loved doing that to pieces. That was the first time I was in a really great play. Yeah. Uh, a like, well-made play, you mean? Well-made play. Yes, yes, yes. yes, yes. Really just good. and the words, it was just beautiful. Loved it. Yes. What yeah. What is it about the theatrical experience for a for a kid that oh. is so magical. Yeah, maybe maybe it's that you don't have to be you. You sort of shed your skin and be someone else. I think that's the attraction too when you're an adult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, it's not the applause. No, it was just being someone else. Yeah. And being articulate. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, saying these great words. And being um, able to hopefully, um, manipulate an audience emotionally and yes, true. to elicit and, that and response. feeling that, yeah, yeah. See, my background is not Australian. I was Dutch originally, came here when I was seven. Oh, so you were born where? Uh, well, long story. I was born, actually born in Indonesia because my parents were those imperialist colonials. Right. I was born in Surabaya, but we went back to Holland. So most of my young education was Dutch Holland and just the English language I just found beautiful so English is your second language yes wow yes do you still speak Dutch Dutch very badly like a seven-year-old right yeah but when I'm there for a while I'm I get the I'm more into it I can yeah, yeah. were you having many theatrical experiences in uh Holland, we born in Holland? No, 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 none at all. No, the first theatrical experience was year three. Um, my teacher was Mrs. Moore, would you believe? 
And um, she put on a shocking play, I think from the school magazine, that was about toys coming to life. You know one of those great little pieces? Oh, Toy Story. To- yeah, something like that. Fantastic. And um, Fiona Addison, who I hated with all my being, um, she played the bear. And I knew, I knew somehow or other, how do you know that when you're eight? I knew that I could play the bear so much better than her. I, I went home and I practiced being the bear. I was fantastic. Yeah. This is my limited English. <laughs> isn't it extraordinary, those kids in your childhood that sort of crossed your path in a particular way is burnt into your memory. You can recall their name. Yeah. I wonder yeah. whatever happened to Fiona yeah, Addison. Mm. I'd love to meet her and say, you hurt my fingers. I was standing behind her in the line. Um, she had beautiful, thick, blonde plaits. And we were standing in the line. We weren't supposed to speak. And I tapped her on the shoulder and said, in my very limited English, you have beautiful hair. And she turned around and gave me such a look of disdain, which said everything like, you know, you're a wog, you, uh, how dare you speak to me. It was just the, the biggest put down was just her look. And that's put me in the other's basket for the rest of my life. So did, so moving to Australia when you were seven, yes. eight? Yes, seven. So did you experience much of that? Um... Yes, because I had, I wasn't Dutch looking. I've got dark hair and brown eyes and I wasn't wearing clogs you know didn't live in a windmill yeah you weren't putting your finger in any dice no (laughs) thanks Peter no (laughs) I wasn't so Peter people thought I was um Italian or Greek oh yeah 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 and at that time I had no idea I was Jewish no one told me until I was 15 so I don't know People said, you don't look Dutch in sort of an accusing way. Why, were you not, why didn't, did you not learn that you were Jewish until you were 15? Uh, because there's a thing called the Holocaust that the parents went through. So they denied everything about being Jewish and, and they didn't. So there's that um, internal fear, I guess. Oh, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Of... And if, if, if you're Jewish, you'll be put on a list and they'll come and get you. Right. Yeah. So I wasn't Jewish. I was nothing. So there was no religion practice at home? No, no, nothing, nothing. No. There's a hole in my spiritual life, Peter. No, no, not at all. (laughs) So what what is that like to to learn that you're Jewish at 15? Oh, that was shocking. That was shocking. It was the day my father died and my mother was incredibly emotional and opened up her whole emotional store and went bleh and vomited the whole Holocaust on me and my brother. It was absolutely shocking. In fact, my brother said recently that was more shocking than actually the death of my father that day. Right. It was the weirdest day. And my first thought was, oh, shit, now I'm in a minority group. Wow. So had your parents, how did they experience the Holocaust? They had to flee, obviously, from... No, no, no. My mother went through Bergen-Belsen and also slave labour. And my father actually didn't. He was in Indonesia in a prisoner of war camp there, but his whole family were annihilated. So, yeah. So they had no one left. Yeah. Except they had two children. After the war. Three. We had three. three. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you... um, What what sort of child were you? I was lovely. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, that's good to hear. Um, Was that... Were you a show-off? I mean, obviously... Ah, yes. I think my mother called... Yes, my mother did call me a show-off at times. Um, smacked me in the head for being a show-off. 
But at school, I was very quiet and sweet and, and very nice and uh, very proper um, and never rocked the boat. But I think I made up stories. I remember in primary school, I used to direct kids on the playground. We played the famous five in the playground. Narratives that you all knew. Yes, I, and, I, and I directed everyone to do things. Yeah. So... What about at home with the siblings? Were you able to... My sister. My sister used to join in. My brother thought I was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But my sister, well, she was five years younger, so she was forced to join in to my wonderful games. There was one about a circus, too. We used to play in our bedroom. And we had these fantastic coloured underpants, which we wore when we were trapeze artists. And we'd land on our beds, and sometimes we'd die. And oh, it was very dramatic. Yeah. What was your favourite subject at school? Oh, gosh. English, because I used to like love writing. Yeah, yeah. And words. And words. Words are great. Yeah. So, um, were you studying Shakespeare at school? Is not that... in primary school. No. Um, oh, not primary school. No. Not hit Shakespeare in high school. Dead boring. Sat and read around the room. Well, we've come a long way, I guess, in the way that we teach Absolutely. Shakespeare now. And Shakespeare, of course, being taught in primary schools. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yes. And I tutor in Shakespeare, how to teach Shakespeare through drama, not through text, at two universities. Well, I guess he wrote to be performed, not to be read. Absolutely, yeah. So how do you approach that? How do you teach Shakespeare through performance? Uh, have you got four hours? <laughs> no, you've, got, you've got four lines. Four lines. Four, four. Uh, oh, gosh. Look, if you just take some text and get up and play with it, and then you can play it five different ways, you very quickly realise that, well, it's like any other play, um, that uh, meaning is only created through action. Mm. And if you sit around and just read it, nothing happens. It's all about action. Yeah. End of school, mm. you decide to become a teacher. Was that your first no, option? it was my no. mother told me I had to be a teacher. Right. Why yeah. so? Because she had plans. Right. I was to be a teacher. My sister was to be a nurse. My brother... He could do anything he liked because he's the boy. Um, and I thought that was a pretty good plan because teachers' scholarships were easy to get at the in those days. Um, so I became a primary school teacher. She she was a widow then, and she didn't. And she said, "I don't have enough money to send two kids to uni because my brother was very close in age to me. We ended up in the same year, much to his disgust. So we were both doing the HSC at the same time." And she said, I don't have enough money to send both kids to uni. So my brother had to go to uni. But that was okay with me. I went to teacher's college. The idea was to be, um, you know, to get out and get a job and get out of the house. <laughs> um, and that was fine. Did you harbour any other secret desire to become something else? Did you? I mean, did yes. you want to run away and join the circus? Yes, or, yeah. run away and be an actor. Yes, I did. Right. I did. So I joined the Lane Cove Players at an early age, at 20 or something like that, yeah. What were some of your early oh, theatre experiences? My first one yes. was Lane Cove Players, was a nightmare. I played Pearl, the prostitute. Oh, I was going to say some of the 17th doll. No, no, I wish. No, I don't even know the name of the play. But you were Pearl, the prostitute. I was Pearl, the prostitute. Mm. And I had a very attractive, very short black miniskirt on, miniskirt dress, and I had to perch on the back of the sofa, and being the Lane Cove players, they had no money, no budget, because everything went to the rent of the Lane Cove Lower Town Hall, which doesn't exist anymore. 
And so at the very last minute, in fact, I think opening night, they got a sofa in and I had been told to perch on the back of it, which I did, of course, with no rehearsal. The whole sofa went backwards onto the drinks table. So there I went, legs up, miniskirt, bottles everywhere. And my brother was in the audience and said, oh, that was the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen. I'm never coming to see you again. And to this day, he hasn't. Oh, really? Has never... Bastard. Supported you in no, right? Yeah. Hmm. So there goes put to pay that that Noel Coward advice of just learn your lines and don't bump into the furniture. You, I certainly bumped you into knocked the it all over. I did. I, I knocked, knocked it, knocked it into the. Yes. Tell me why? Why is it important for to include arts in education? Oh. <laughs> I mean, I, right. That's a redundant question. I realise. Um, Shall I rave? Yeah, rave. I'm oh, jeez. Look, it's. It's the centre of... It should be the centre of the education. It's... Well, it needs to be STEAM rather than STEM, doesn't it? We didn't need to add That's good. I yeah. like that. Yep. Um, creativity, confidence, everything you gain from the arts. Um, it's your soul. It's w- what we are. It's our... It's our yeah, it's our soul. Are the, are the arts hold up a, a mirror to society, really, don't we? Oh, We're able to as Hamlet have, once said, yes. Yeah, yeah, empathy for other other people's Absolutely. other worlds. Absolutely, and exploring emotions and, and yeah, uh, other worlds, yeah, as you said. No, it's... I could rave for four hours, but I won't. That was four lines. No, I love that. Um, what do you love about the classroom? <laughs> about being in the classroom? <laughs> what do I love about being in the classroom? I what do I love? I love I love my subject. I'm very passionate about teaching drama, and um, I just want to impart knowledge. I love educating. I'm sick and tired of um, disciplining, um, I, which I don't really do, and I don't really have to. But I love educating kids. Love it. And it's extraordinary when you see a student that you've taught go on to achieve great things in the arts mm. as a successful actor mm. or, or director mm. or something and I think I had a I had a hand in that I had a small hand in yeah, that yeah. oh yeah yeah but yeah. it's equally as satisfying and yeah, rewarding I yeah. think to see those kids who maybe struggle with identity or yeah, confidence or yeah, whatever to yeah. make those little steps every day to become some, yeah, a human yeah, being yeah, absolutely um, it's fantastic yeah, yeah I've I've had some really beautiful text letters from ex-students usually when they're about 25 or a bit later and they really think back and they go hmm you know what she was great and I've had some really nice letters and things acknowledging that from kids not straight out of school they got no idea but then later on yeah and don't you love it when, they, when you run into them and they say, oh, look, sorry, sir, I was a real shit, wasn't I? Yeah, it's great. <laughs> that yes, realisation later on. You were, but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's called Bec- becoming a grown-up. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, Carla, what was the first play that you wrote? Oh, golly. Uh, yes, I wrote a play called Time, Present, Time, Past. My mother, who was still alive then, was playing canasta with two other Jewish women. And all they did was bitch and fight. And afterwards she'd ring me and go, oh my God, Edith, she was so rude, you know. she did, And she'd rave on about Edith and Finney and and what happened. And and every, every week was hilarious. And I thought, this is a play. So I wrote that as a one-act play. And it, yeah, and it caught the eye of I think it was Lyndon Wilkinson, 
and what was her name? She was the, oh, I can't remember her name. I think you've actually interviewed her. I'll think of it in a sec. It was, a, I put it on as a, one, in a one-act play festival. And these three women who were the adjudicators, they came up to me and said, you should apply for, to be a night of playwright. You know, you, you don't audition, you, you, you apply. Yes. And, and then and you, said, you submit an example you, you submit of your work example. and so consider. I did. And I got in as one of 12. So, yeah, I did that last century. Oh, yeah. a NIDA playwriting yeah. course. That so, was a 12-month course or...? Yeah. Yep. So I'm a NIDA graduate, Peter. I did not know that. Right. Fantastic. I love saying that to kids when they get really uppity. Well, you know, I'm a NIDA playwright. I don't say... No, I'm a NIDA graduate. I don't say in playwriting. Then they get, oh, are you? <laughs> I like to say, I've worked with Googie Withers. That's good. They have no idea. No, who that is. Yes, Exactly. Yes. Um, so who was running the playwriting course at NIDA when you were studying... Oh. Ken. Ken, I know, I know exactly who Ken. you're talking about. Ken. Ken, and he lectured at Uni of New South Wales Uni. Ken. He. There's people listening, <laughs> screaming. <laughs> Ken. <laughs> I think of it. Um, he was stunning. What he didn't know about anything wasn't worth knowing. He knew. He was a brilliant, brilliant cook. He knew all about opera. Yeah, he used to be one of the critics on Seven O Two. He was. I hope still is, just a stunning man, and I thank him. Yeah. Yeah. It was a harsh course. They were pretty hard, but, gee, I learned a lot. So I guess, um, did you have to finish up with a, a play at the end of that course? Yes. Yeah. As, yes. As in, to yes. be assessed. Yes. Yeah, and I did. I wrote another one-act play, uh, A Different Sky, which is about my experience as a migrant child in a migrant hostel. And it did really well. And it was put on by the VCA. It's been put on quite a lot. It's a one-act little play. It's lovely. So, um, and look, just looking at some of your plays also, Over the Moon and Far Away, which is about a Japanese POW camp, A Different Sky, which is, again, a bit autobiographical, mm. um, Between the Cracks, which you wrote for the Jewish mm. Museum. Mm. There's a theme there of, of victims of war or... Yeah, I yeah. keep going back to the war. Yeah. Yeah, World War Two really, really, uh, not made me. It just—it's like a leech. It's on me. It was all. It was. It was what was in the household. It was, you know, these difficult parents who'd been through the war really, really badly, and they never talked about it. And there was this silence of. It was like going into a a dead-end little part of the house when you'd ask this question and they'd go and they'd say something and you knew you couldn't ask any more and you'd find a photo of someone you who is this and it was snatched off you and it was another little girl who ended up being my cousin who died five years old in Auschwitz but no one talked about it no one yeah so the whole of World War Two was sort of shaped me if you like shaped my childhood and I suppose and you're, you're writing about what you sort of know or what yeah, you want to know yeah. more about well I was I was with uh, over the moon and far away I was researching my father's story of, and um, came across the line said there were more women and children incarcerated in Southeast Asia than there were soldiers and I thought that's interesting and went into that and then went right off you know subject and decided 
Paradise Road was on at the same time. Uh, I decided yeah. to write a play that was not Paradise Road. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how that came about. I guess it's providing you some sort of catharsis as well, mm, do you think? No, I don't know. No? No, it doesn't catharse me. Is that a word? <laughs> we'll make it one. We'll make Good. It one. It's a new word. Yeah, it's still there. It's horrible. Yeah. And we'll probably have see even more plays, do you think? Possibly, possibly, possibly. But you can't write a play about the Holocaust. No, like, no. you can't write a play about Auschwitz. Like, you can't. No. <laughs> you just cannot go there. No. I guess there are some, yeah, there are some subjects, topics that you just... You just can't. You cannot. You can't get it. No. Because it speaks for itself already. Yeah. 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 Um, also, uh, stuff is, plays especially for students. Um, I'm talking about those middle school plays, Catch the Bard yes. and Framed, which are wonderful ways to sort of introduce yes. students to Shakespeare yeah. and, and that, great works of art. They're, they're fun. I wrote those for um, middle school sort of age kids um, just as fun to put on. And um, then I thought, you know, these are these are really quite good, and they did. They got published. Yeah, yeah. So we tried, tried and out on on kids before I actually sent them in for publication. Yes. What's two ladies in an emu? Oh, that's my latest one. Right. We're at a dinner party, and this <laughs> this woman was telling me her, her story about travelling with another woman through um, New South Wales and all the troubles they'd had, and they'd hit an emu. And I thought, gee, that's a good title for a play, Two Ladies in an Emu. Uh, anyway, yeah, it stemmed from that. It's yet to be put on stage, but it's... So there's a two-hander about so the, the two three, ladies? Uh, two ladies in a car, and they're, they're old. Like, right. No, they're not old, they're my age. They're right. great. And they go for this trip, and, um, and they do know each other. They're vaguely related. I think they're third cousins or something. And, and they meet up with a lot of men. So there's a third actor who plays all the men yeah Thelma and Louise it's not Bush. quite they don't they don't <laughs> die at the end but, yeah. but but it's you know it's they discover a lot about themselves and it's fun so you finish the play yeah is it difficult to hand your baby over to other people to yes to breathe life into it yes yeah, yeah. that's yeah it's difficult because you well I guess you do have a degree of control still over yeah but you have a vision you have a vision and you don't want that ruined like yeah, it's your baby. Yeah, don't take its fingers off. So do you direct a lot of your work, your own work? Do I do. It's, that's probably very self-indulgent. <laughs> but, yeah. But, but I, I, my plays have been done by others and I've seen them and it's, yeah. Maybe I'm a control freak, Peter. Possibly. Possibly. possibly but yeah. at least it allows you to see your vision through. Yeah. 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 Um, Surely you write plays to make money? No. No? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think so I it's get... just an artistic outlet? Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of my plays... Well, Over the Moon has actually got no copyright if it's done for educational purposes because I think it's an important story to get out. Yeah. So it's free. Um, but only if it's done in a school. Um, yeah. So, no, I'm never going to make money out of it. I think for... Every book of plays I that gets sold, I get something like three dollars thirty seven cents. Right. Yeah. Oh, ka-ching, ka-ching. Ka-ching, yep. Um, now, community theatre. Let's talk about community theatre yes. because it's a an ex- important um, contributor to 
I think the arts industry mm-hmm. allowing all sorts of opportunities for for the individual. What do you think community theatre provides for the individual who likes to participate? Ah, a lot of things. Um, it's actually people forget that it's voluntary, and you know, it's people like to call it amateur, which means you don't get paid. But it's it's a voluntary thing, and it's a passion. And people have this passion to create theatre. Uh, it, it sort of sprung out of, I think after World War II, people needed to get together. I think that's where community theatre was at its height in the 50s. And it sprung out of churches, I believe. And of course, every church has a good old church hall. And a lot of the church halls had stages. So it sort of went together. And that's where it sort of started. Um, there was that huge national theatre movement in Australia as well. Every town seemed to have a national theatre. Has a theatre, yeah. yeah. And it's a community where people get together and um, it has gone off that sort of idea a lot. Like a lot of community theatres now are just production houses for for anyone who just wants wants to have a go. It used to be very much like a closed group of people who put on theatre, but nowadays it's not anymore. And, and it is being killed off by um, the lack of spaces and by community theatre going into council-owned places which where the rent is so high they can't afford it. They could afford it if they charge huge prices, but, of course, you can't do that. No. No. There's an organisation of local community theatres, yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so who belongs to that? I, I guess every every group, group belongs to that, and they have a representative that they goes do, along to meetings do. and yeah, things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every year they put on uh, there's a big um, meeting, and they put on workshops, and um, it's very worthwhile. Yeah. Have you have you been president of that, or um, you've no, 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 figured no. prominently recently? I, I, well, you you were given an award, weren't you? Oh, you've done your research. Yes, yes, I was. I was given an award for uh, for. Um, Oh, a thousand years. No. Um. <laughs> well, that was my next question. It was an outstanding contribution, it was, wasn't it? It was 40 years of, um, yeah, of, of working with this, with this group in Epping. Of, and I've been president there for, I think, 17 years, 15 years. I mm. never know. I lose count. 15 years, I think. And this is the Chester Street Theatre Company. Theatre in Chester, yeah, in the- Epping. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is long after your debut with the Lane Cove Theatre Company, I guess. Yes, yes, yes. I left Lane Cove Players, who, who are now died, but they've regrouped many years later as Lane Cove Theatre. Um, and they struggle because they don't have a proper home. But yeah, but Theatre on Chester have a home and they've had a home for 63 years in that church hall. So what year were they founded? E, 56. 56. Mm. And they've never, never moved out of that church never hall? Never moved out of that church hall. Wow. Yes. But they're not affiliated with the church. Right. Yeah. So how did it start? Uh, uh, again, out of a group, apparently 20 years prior, in 36, there was a group, a church group, though, that sort of put on plays once a year there. And then in 56, they decided to um, form their own theatre company that wasn't connected to the church. Yeah. Who are your audience? Um, demographic is a lot of local, but we go out as far... You know, people come from quite a long way away, some of them. We have a subscriber group of about 700 who are more 
in the area. So we go out to Beecroft, Cheltenham, Eastwood, and then down Ride and North Epping and all that Epping area. But we also have then the other half gets sold, um, people further out, people who are friends of the actors. We usually seat about, we usually get about 90% bums on seats. I guess you're also catering to an audience who are theatre lovers but don't necessarily have that regular access without travelling right into Sydney to see things. I mean, companies certainly don't tour out to, to Epping, no, etc. No, no, so no. it's a way for them to access some quality theatre. Some people, it's the only theatre they see. So you have a great responsibility to, um, to, that, to, your, uh, to your punters, yeah. Yeah, huge. So we have to choose our plays carefully that we're not too freaking outrageous and we are very aware of what they will accept. Yeah. So you have a subscriber base. That must... Is that a huge task to receive those bookings and sort who's going on what days? And and as I said, it's all all volunteers. So we have two women who... um, look after the subscription, which is an enormous job once a year. It takes about three months to get all that in place. We have a box office gentleman who's a retired guy who sits there and does all the box office. So, yeah, um, people just put up their hands to do jobs. I guess the subscriber base is a really good way to have that guaranteed audience and indicate what sort of budget you might have. It's the financial base of everything, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. do, you get, do you get any sort of funding, no, community theatre? None no, none at all, no. So you're really just relying on your box yep. office? Absolutely, yeah. It must require excellent financial management. Oh, yes, it does. Yeah, yes. yeah. I mean, the, the people running, do you have we a, have, accountant we people have a, come in? We have a, no, we have a committee of five, and we have a treasurer who's fabulous, and we have a... We have a I want to say vague budget. That sounds really bad, but it is a vague budget. Um, we we recycle and reuse a lot of stuff. Um, we have we pick furniture up from the side of the road. We the other day we picked up wallpaper which was being thrown in a skip by some company. So we took all these rolls of wallpaper out of that. Um, we. Yeah, we beg, borrow and steal. We will also, um, for costumes, we will also hire. You know, if it's like period costumes, you can't make those. And we pride ourselves in having really high production values. The the sets have to look fabulous and and costume and the lights are brilliant. We've got the best lighting facilities and sound facilities. And the guy who came through us... um, he started with us. He's now Mike. He's now the senior technician at Riverside. He reckons our sound is on par with Riverside. You know what we do, what we do with our sound. So, so yeah, we we you know in this small church hall, we create really good theatre. You do indeed. Yeah. Uh, storage must be an issue, though, yes, isn't it? And that's yes, why you yes, have yeah. to be really resourceful, I guess, yeah, in, yeah. in what you can obtain. Yeah, well, and what what you throw out each time, like. All right, that that sofa we picked up on the side of the road that can now go in the skip. Or and then three plays later, you say, you know that sofa we threw in the skip that would have been brilliant for this play. Yeah, you get all that, yeah. but you know you can only you can only do so much. And yeah. if you'd hung onto that sofa, you yes. wouldn't have used it for fifteen years. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. But sometimes other theatre groups um, are fabulous. Uh, we've borrowed a fridge from Castle Hill Group, nineteen uh, fifties fridge. 
you know, sometimes, uh, and we've borrowed stuff from Willoughby Theatre Company, and they borrow stuff from us. So there's a, there's that as well. We'll help each other yeah, out. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So uh, is it three plays a year that you do? Three plays a year, yeah. And what sort of repertoire are you doing? Uh, I mean, for example, this year. This you... year we did a play called Caravan by Donald MacDonald. So a farce. It's a farce, yeah. Australian. The set was a caravan, probably the hardest build we've ever done, like a caravan on stage with the front opening and a tiny caravan with six people sort of acting in. Um, then we are doing, currently we're doing The Real Inspector Hound and the last play of the year is Doubt by Patrick, John Patrick Stan, Stan, Shanley. Shanley. Yeah. Uh, great, so you're an Australian... A, a British and an American. Yeah, 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 great. Yeah, yeah. So your audiences are getting access to some really top, yeah, top players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what about next year? You're next year we're sorting it out. Because right you've really now. got a plan twelve months ahead. We don't do. You, we, for... We've just had some future directors pitch for for next year, and we that's the way we do it. We get directors who have three plays that they love to do. We don't choose the plays; they choose the plays, and that really helps because. The directors are passionate about their plays. They don't get given a play that, don't really like this play. But if you're passionate about a play and you really want to put it on, it really helps. So where do you find your directors and designers? Um, and you, you've got they're a just troop people, of people who, that... who've just you know, gravitated towards us and love working with us. And you know, we pride ourselves in being lovely. We always keep in mind that everyone's <laughs> doing this for nothing. So, you know, you can't fire people or you can't you know you can't lose a plot it's everyone's everyone's in there giving their time and commitment which is beautiful and passion well 17 years as president mm-hmm. do you get to have much time at home i mean i imagine it's a huge <laughs> huge commitment well my lovely husband is is deeply into this um theater company as well he he's the technical manager so he does all the technical stuff, and he's a brilliant lighting guru. So that's obviously um, a passion that you can share with your husband. That yes. you that you have, you're out many yes. nights together. That and is great. In, creating in, magical theatre. Yeah. In the early days when we had kids, it was more difficult because one of us, you know, had to be home for children. But we did drag our children to set building, and they grew up sort of playing under chairs and around, and you know. And had a great time. And they were brought up with theatre and they were dragged along to every single thing I was in or directed. And I do remember when my son was four, because it was 1986, International Year of Peace, and I'd just done Over a Lovely War. And I took both kids to Marion Street Theatre to see one of these fairy tale things. And afterwards he said, mm, I thought that Oh What a Lovely War was better. <laughs> Which is great for a four-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so they they're still in the humanities, the arts, and you know, love theatre, and yeah, because of all of that. That's a great piece too. I don't I don't know why we don't see more productions of that. That's a really mean. interesting piece. Yeah, yeah. 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 Joan Littlewood, brilliant woman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, committee. It's run by committee. Yes. Yeah, and so I guess every year you have annual elections we have annual elections or? and i'm feeling a bit like vladimir putin you know <laughs> that i'm just there all the all whole right. time yeah but nobody nobody challenges and they're allowed to yeah but 
because there's no power struggles with the group, never have been. Um, people are really happy that. But I guess people trust you too. You know the company. Yeah, you know how it works. Yeah. You obviously have a great love for it. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, and the committee is brilliant. Just, if it's not baroque, don't fix it. Oh, I Ooh, like that. I'll you borrow like that. that. You can have that. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Um, do you have a favourite audition story? I mean, oh, I'm sure I've you see quite a few. all sorts of variations of talent coming through. Yes, my favourite one is I was auditioning for um, the absolute ultimate Australian play, uh, Summer of the 17th Doll. And, you know, okay, there is such a thing as blind casting, but can't really be that blind in Summer of the 17th Doll. You need two Queensland cane, cane cutters. cutters. Yeah. So this guy turns up and he's this thin um, Middle Eastern chap with a very heavy accent. And I said, oh, hi, you know, what's your name? Mm-hmm. And um, have you read the play? He said, oh, yes, I have. And I said, great. And he auditioned, completely, totally wrong. And... I just thought, no, you haven't read the play. You don't get the play, so why, you know. Sorry, that, that was good. And the other one was a very similar one, which was uh, Virginia Woolf. And um, this lovely, lovely Indian guy turned up. <laughs> and I wanted Virginia Woolf to stay in that period of, of it, when it was written, you know, in the, in the 60s, because it's all about Martha's struggle as a woman that she's never had the opportunity. So it sits there in the 50s, 60s sort of era. And this Indian guy turned up to play Nick, which just wouldn't have worked whatsoever. But, yeah. Well, I mean, blind casting, absolutely, I, I applaud, and there's, there's certainly a, a role for it. I do too. And, and diversity it, also, but you need to ultimately serve the play. You have to serve the play. And I don't mind blind casting if it's, it, it can work. It can work. But that just would not have worked. Because you, your brain all the time would have gone, hang on. You know, it's like... It takes you out of the world of that play. It does. Perhaps, it's yeah. like, guess who's coming to dinner and no, this isn't working. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and as a director, I guess you want to see whether they're amateurs or... Or, or professionals or oh, whatever you want to see yeah, an actor that comes along that yeah. is prepared yeah and and in the positive side there was i was doing 72 masters the australian uh nick nick Enright. yeah and um this chap turned up alan looked at a cv trained at nida nida graduate going for a truffle dino absolutely brilliant just rocked my socks off and i said because this happens sometimes that um, people not as talented as Alan will turn up and then get a role and then three weeks in they say, oh, I've just got a role in the film, sorry, bye, mm-hmm. and off they go. Mm-hmm. So I said to Alan straight up, hey, listen, um, what if you get a, a professional role? Are you going to leave us? He said, absolutely not. I said, oh, oh, okay, why not? He said, because I love this play, I love this role, and I really want to play Truffle Dino, which he did right to the end, absolutely brilliantly, and afterwards sent me this beautiful text which was basically, thank you for giving me back my love of theatre because he compl- after NIDA, he was just selling knives in Westfield right. and he hadn't done anything and he was too frightened. It, was, it had killed him, the criticism had killed him and he's now running his own theatre company in Melbourne. Yeah. So there's another reason why community theatre has such a role, even for those professionals who need to find themselves again. And there's there's not there's nothing really writing because it's so 
ensemble inclusive and non-critical environment I guess I don't know it's it's completely different to a professional theatre company uh, is community theatre reviewed very often? Not enough, no, but right. it, it is. Um, I had a fight with one reviewer who rang me, um, Beauty Queen of Lenane. He rang me and he said, and his first thing he said to me was, why on earth, and I'm quoting him, yep. why on earth would I come to the asshole of the world, a.k.a. Epping, yeah. You know, we're not Lithgow. No, it's and it's an easy train ride from the, ci- yeah, from the city. Yeah. Why on earth would I come to the asshole of the world to, to watch theatre? And I said, because Epping deserves good theatre as much as Newtown does. I'm really sorry. Anyway, he did come. Right. But his review did start off with, even though it was, he didn't quite say asshole, even though it was in the wilds of, you know, of Epping, as though we were back of Burke. He was very complimentary and very positive and loved it, but he had to start with that comment, yeah. which is really irritating. I guess the theatre review is suffering a bit too, you know, with the decline of print media and yes. uh, all yes. that sort of thing. You're yes. finding more and more reviewers popping up online, online. as bloggers. and Most of them are online, mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it's finding an audience to, sort yeah. of, to read them. Yeah. But, yeah. but reviewing is important, isn't it? Yeah. Do you have an opening night ritual? Yes, we do. Oh, ritual? No, we just have a party. Party. <laughs> but there's no, no um, routine you go through if you're directing or...? No, not really. No. You're, not no. Su- you're not superstitious in the theatre? No, well, some no. people are. Yeah, yeah some a, people are, of course. I saw a green. Green, OK. Yeah. For yeah. luck. Yeah. Which is good. No, some, some, some actors are. I'm not. We do have a theatre ghost who has to be kept happy. Have you seen the ghost? I felt the ghost. Right. So who was the ghost? He was the guy who started the, the, the group. Right. Phil. Right. Phil the ghost. If he doesn't like a play, he likes to fiddle with the electrics and he likes to stuff the, the, the board. We used to have a board, we don't anymore. But, yeah. And uh, I'd go and talk to him. Fair dinkum. Yeah. I'd say, Phil, I know you hate this play, but come on, give us a go. There was one time things were going really weird with the electrics and my husband got an uh, electrician in to check everything out. And the electrician actually said, look, there's nothing wrong. I've looked at everything. Ha, ha, ha. Maybe you have a ghost joke. And it was. It was Phil. Lucky Phil. Lucky Phil. Anyway. You know what I love about Theatre on Chester too when I go out there? Yeah. Interval, you get a cup of coffee or tea and biscuits. You do too. Yeah. For nothing. Yeah. You get your program for nothing as well. Yeah. So you really look after your audience. We do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So how do people become involved with community theatre or Theatre on Chester? Uh, how? I don't know. They look. Is this, you've got websites, I they look, Yeah, they find us on the website. Right. Yeah, or they hear it or they come and see and think, the community now realises we're there, the North Epping community, and they're, they're much more supportive. And again, through social media. Um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, we, we work very, very hard to make this church hall into a theatre, and that's all done through passion. You know, we, we make it look like a foyer. We, we make our theatre look like a theatre, and, you know, the kitchen becomes the bio box, and every night breaks down again into the kitchen, but you, that's passion. You've, yeah. got, you've got to work at it. And commitment. So you're not, you're not given these fantastic, you know, um, what's the word? Things to work with. Better word. Resources. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Hard word. Uh, resources to work with. Um, 
you know, in professional theatre, you get all this fabulous stuff. No, we've got to work at making it work. Yeah. Have you done much Shakespeare out there? Uh, Coming full circle now to the uh, interview? Yeah. yeah, a couple, a couple, yeah. Three, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it, we have to really, the demographic, you know, oh, Shakespeare. But they do come. They do come. If you give them a good rounded year, um, they, do, they do come. Yeah. Are you able to take certain risks with your repertoire from year to year once you yes, build yes, up yes. that we, trust we, in the we can, we can give one play that's a bit risky right. and um, or we have a new director who we don't really know much about and we give them that play and that's our risk for the year. I guess your audience are vocal in their feedback too. Absolutely. Yeah. But a lot of them go out the door saying, oh, that was lovely. You know, they, they do. They're, they're lovely. They're always very nice. Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. We're certainly serving a great purpose to audiences out there in the um, uh, northern suburbs. Yeah. 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 Thank you for telling us about uh, your wonderful rich life today, Carla. Oh, and, thank you. And community theatre. It's great. And, thank um, you for asking me. And, and uh, what's the website for Theatre on Chester? Oh, uh, www.thetheatreonchester, or one word, .com.au. So the, the Theatre on Chester. Yeah, the Theatre on Chester. All right. Well, well, good luck. Oh, hang on, hang on. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. See ya. Okay, bye. Have you subscribed to Stages yet? Do so and keep up to date with every new guest episode as it is released. Subscribe in Apple Podcasts and through Wooshka and Spotify. And please take the time to rate and review the podcast in the iTunes directory. It helps to grow our audience and reach more Stages listening. I'm Peter Ayers and I'll catch you next time on Stages. Stages.